I think maybe as as part of it, we get most trouble probably, you know, between now and, and summertime. And, you know, it's always busy at Easter and that sort of thing when our ewes are at their at their most heavily pregnant and they're they're closest to the farm and they're and they're at their slowest. And you know, when you know when you've lost a ewe with lambs in her, that's yeah, it's almost the most frustrating, upsetting thing to to have happen. It's spring on the farm and it's lambing time, but unfortunately that means that sheep worrying incidents are at the front of many farmers' minds. Here at Farmers Guardian, we reckon more than 10,000 sheep have been killed or seriously injured in the last 10 years that we've been recording statistics. Costs to the industry keep rising, estimated at nearly £2 million last year. I'm Alex Black and on this week's Over the Farmgate podcast we'll be taking a look at sheep we're in and speaking to a farmer up in Cumbria who's been badly affected by incidents. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. But first of all, we're talking one of the stories that's been in the news this week about gene editing. So I've got here with me Farmers Guardian's arable technical specialist, Alice Dyer. So Alice, what can you tell us about the Precision Breeding Act? Yeah, so on the 23rd of March, um, the Genetic Technology Precision Breeding Act received royal assent. Um, And this is basically the final step required for a parliamentary bill to become law. Um, So this is something that's been going on for a few years now and something the current government has been really keen to do. So at the beginning of last year, the government changed the rules, meaning researchers could carry out gene edited crop field trials without having to apply for a special license. Um, This latest step means that farmers are actually kind of one step closer to being able to grow these crops. So the Act itself kind of provides a framework for the introduction of further legislation, which is expected to take another couple of years. Um, But probably the most significant in that for farmers will be the food standards agencies plans for um, food marketing and things like food labelling and whether these products will be specifically labelled as gene edited. And what's the reaction been from the industry? Um, So I guess it's important to note, first of all, that this law is only for England at this stage. um, And we don't know what this means for kind of the devolved nations. Um, If we have a divergence in policy, it could kind of cause problems, obviously, with gene edited food traveling over the borders, um, which technically wouldn't be allowed. But in England, a lot of organisations like the NFU, research organisations like Rothamsted and also plant breeders like um, Bayer have welcomed the new law. Um, British Sugar has kind of spoken a lot about how gene editing could help them find a solution to virus yellows disease, which they're currently having to use neonicotinoid seed dressings for. Um, In terms of farmers, I'd say it's a mixed bag. Uh, generally speaking many are fairly comfortable with it they kind of see it as just speeding up what's already being done in terms of plant breeding Um, but there's also a lot who aren't supportive of it because they maybe see it um, you know as a way of giving even more power to kind of big ag corporations or they might see it as kind of playing with nature or they just think 
you know it's not the solution and that we should be looking at things like improving plant health and biodiversity to improve resilience instead um but all those in support i would say have kind of very much reiterated that it's not a silver bullet so we can't expect to suddenly all be organic and not using any chemicals anytime soon and what's the impact for the farmers on the ground then from this initial act being being passed what's the actual impact for our listeners and, and our readers alice um so i guess at the moment it's kind of just a, a wait and see you know um, wait and see what the next um, kind of legislation to come into place will be so you know things like food labeling as I said um, but I guess it kind of gives the go-ahead for kind of researchers and breeders to keep investing in kind of this area of development um, and develop varieties using these breeding methods that farmers could be using on the ground um, at the moment, so an example of work currently being carried out in the UK is at Rothamsted. Um, they've developed a variety of wheat using gene editing, which has shown a 50% reduction in acrylamide when the flour's baked. Um, for those that don't know, acrylamide is thought to cause cancer. So some of these traits introduced might be kind of more focused on the end market rather than actual agronomic benefits that farmers might see. Um, but of course, there's also a lot of research going into that as well. Um, as I mentioned before, British sugar, I know that they're um, really exploring um, virus yellow disease and how gene editing could find a solution to that. So you've spoken about crops there, Alice. Is there any impact on the livestock sector? Yeah, so currently the legislation um, is only focused on plants. And the government has said it recognises that there's kind of a need to safeguard animal welfare in the new framework, but it's something that will be introduced at a later date. And that's kind of all we know at the moment. Thanks, Alice. And there's just a little bit of clarity on the situation in Scotland here from our Scottish correspondent, Ewan Pate. Um, there's a divide up there between what the industry is calling for and what Scottish government are doing. NFU Scotland President Martin Kennedy has said that they believe precision breeding techniques such as gene editing have considerable potential to deliver benefits for food, nutrition, biodiversity and climate friendly farming. Obviously, there's some change in the political landscape up there with a new first minister being appointed this week. But in response to a Farmer's Guardian inquiry, Environment Minister Mary McCallan said the UK's government hastes to change regulations without regard for devolved competence or the impact on food supply chains and consumer choice was deeply concerning. They were also disappointed that the UK government has once again disregarded the views of Scottish Parliament. If you want to know more about the gene editing issue, take a look back through some of our Crop It Like It's Hot podcasts and there should be some content on there to tell you all that you need to know. Now back to Sheet Worrying and Farmers Guardian's Take the Lead campaign is continuing to raise awareness about the importance of keeping dogs on a lead around livestock. We have signs to give away which you can nail to gate posts or fence posts near footpaths to highlight the problem to walkers. If you'd like some of these signs, please send a stamped self-addressed A4 envelope to FG Take the Lead, Farmer's Guardian, Unit 4, Fullwood Business Park, Preston, Lancashire, PR29NZ. And you'll need at least three first class or second class stamps on to cover postage costs. 
Rachel Tennant is a farmer and a vet up in Cumbria, and like many people in tourist areas, they've had a real problem from dog walkers. So my name's Rachel. Um, I live with my partner on a mostly sheep farm um, in the Lake District. Um, we rent about four and a half thousand acres and um, it's exclusively herdwicks um, that we keep. We're a pretty, uh, pretty steep, pretty barren um, fell farm. Well, and obviously the Lake District is, you know, a prime tourist area as well as, you know, such an important farming county up in Cumbria. Just tell us a little bit about your experience with sheep worrying and how big a problem it's been for the farm. So yes, it's been a pretty a pretty big problem for us. Um, my other half reckons that over the last eighteen months or so, we've probably lost about twenty five sheep in total. Um, we're it's hard for us to be entirely sure. Um, because we don't always find the find the culprit or see what's happened at the time. Um. I would say we've been lucky in a sense that we haven't had any of the sort of big issues that some people have seen where they've had a whole field of, you know, pregnant sheep um, devastated by a dog. But for us, it's a ongoing, continuous, low level thing, probably because of our, our stocking density, our sheep are really spread out. But so it's it's frequent um, for us. We we expect it almost to happen all, all summer, really. And you know what what are the problems that you know I'm, I'm presuming your location's one of the factors you think why why do you think you have such a problem with um dog worrying um yeah I think it's a, a combination I think probably it, it does come back to the location um we're in a very picturesque part of the Lake District um there's a nice easy stroll around the the lake that we that we farm alongside which is is about four miles so that's a really sort of nice low level walk for a lot of people so it's it's really really busy um on on summer days because it's very picturesque um part of the part of the issue is the the type of terrain it is um people can set off around the lake and they sit off through woods and so they don't there are some sheep in there but they don't see them and they don't necessarily expect there to be sheep so they appear out onto our um the lower part of our fell ground um with the dog not on a lead and um then there's there's sheep in there um so i think the dog the dog's already not on a lead and they're not overly keen to put them put them back on at that point i think what's what's the reaction you get from people you know when you're speaking with the public and you're asking them to put their dog on a lead or after an incident um i think it's it's fairly mixed um in that some people are quite amenable and you know i've stopped people in the past and said oh can you just pop your dog on a lead you're about to go into a field with you know very young lambs and they've been fine with that um i'm not sure i suspect some of them put them on a lead there and then and then it doesn't last very long and um, we have had issues um where Usually after there's already been a problem um, and people have been confronted after the dog's been either actually has damaged a sheep or has been chasing sheep um, where they've then been quite aggressive about it. Um, and I don't know whether that comes from a defensive point of view that they think that, you know, we're, we're looking to um, to shoot the dog or get them arrested or, or something like that. But yeah, we have had people throw punches at my other half and that sort of thing as he's grabbed a dog that's been on its way past chasing sheep um so it's yeah it's a 
a fair mixture. I think most are amenable, but yeah, there's definitely some that, that don't appreciate being being told. So will you tell us about a few of your experiences when you're finding sheep after an incident's happened? Yes, yeah, so it's a bit of a mixture, really. Um, I think for the most part, we probably uh, find the sheep drowned in the lake. Um, and it's always hard to know exactly what's happened in that situation. But um, there has been aware of that there wasn't a lot wrong with um, beforehand. Otherwise, sometimes the actual dog owner comes to us and tells us. Um, obviously, we're very, very extensive. So um, for the most part, you know, we don't see all of the sheep um, for a, for chunks of, of time. Um, so we did have, have one lady that, that came to us. She had a a foreign rescue, a Spanish Mastiff, which she'd from abroad and brought it for a nice walk in the Lake District. And it had, to be fair to her, it had been on a lead, but it had pulled out of her hand and taken off um, and taken down a, one of our ewes on a, an open front of fell, which takes a little bit of doing because our sheep take a bit of stopping um, if you don't have them cornered. Um, and this dog had gone gone sort of straight in for the for the throat and, and taken this ewe down. Um but at least they did they did come and, and tell us in that situation. Sometimes we've well, probably more often than not actually, um, it's not the person whose dog has done the damage that comes to us, it's someone else who's been walking um round and about, has seen the incident and has has come to tell us about it. Um but then that usually leaves us with a challenge of finding where the sheep is with a sort of vague description um of someone who doesn't know the know the area so it's usually hard enough tracking down the sheep to see if she's okay um or needs any treatment um never mind finding the actual dog so it's a bit of a mixture really and how does that feel as a farmer who's you know raising these animals and obviously it's part of your livelihood these animals how how does it feel when you're in that situation Oh, it's just it's just horrible. I'm sure I'm sure anyone that's that's got sheep, it's it's frustrating enough when they when they die, when um you know, from lambing time problems or, or anything else, but when it's so entirely preventable, um it's just it's just really frustrating. And I think maybe as as part of it we get most trouble probably um, you know, between now and, and summertime. Um and you know it's always busy at Easter and that sort of thing when our ewes are at their at their most heavily pregnant and they're they're closest to the farm and they're and they're at their slowest and you know when you know when you've lost a ewe with lambs in her that's yeah it's almost the most frustrating um, upsetting thing to to have happen. So I know we don't have all the answers here, but what would you like to see happen? What do you think could help reduce the number of incidents? I mean, I think. I think there's definitely an awareness thing. I, I suspect that most most dog owners have no idea how their dog will react to sheep because they've just never been in that situation. And and they probably know that the dog's fine at home with, with the cat or with the kids or or whatever, but they've they've never been in a situation where their dog has something that runs from it. And so, you know, the dog the dog t takes off chasing the sheep and then they're in a whole world of, of trouble because they maybe don't have the recall training or or the lead or whatever. Um, but I think, I suspect most people don't understand that, especially our sheep, especially the fell sheep, um, are 
they run from a dog. That's that's what they do. That's how they're gathered. And so people don't necessarily expect that that response. And I don't know if they were more aware of a sheep's normal behaviour, um, whether they would be more sensible at how they how they approach things. Um, I think part of the time our trouble is that um, when when there's these incidents up on the up on the seriously high open fells, the people maybe aren't aware that there are sheep round about there because they're so few and far between. So suddenly one pops up round a corner, it gets a fright, the dog gets a fright, and the sheep takes off, and then and then there's an issue. So yeah, I guess it comes back to awareness, but how easy that is to get to everybody is a, a whole other question. And I know you've been working with Cumbria Police. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing with with the police? Um, yeah, so we've just done um, a little video with the aim of the police putting it out on their social media. Um, so they've come at it, I think, from quite a good um, perspective. It was initiated by them. So um, there's sort of three of us have have spoken on that. So there's a police officer um sort of trying to tell the public that it is their responsibility and what can happen um, to the dogs in terms of the farmer having the um, legal ability to to shoot the dog if it's found worrying, um, but also, you know, just the importance of having their dog under control. We've also got a, a sort of well-known social media dog owner personality who's spoken about having your dog under control um, and the importance of it um, and kind of what that looks like, I think. Um, he's, you know, from a, a local a local town and so is well-versed in um, having the dogs coming back to him and, and the importance of not chasing sheep. Um, and then I've spoken as well, just a little bit like today, um, just about sort of our experiences of it and what's what's gone wrong and the different scenarios that we've that we've had happen to to our sheep by um mostly unsuspecting dog owners and do you think it's important to get that message out from you know from dog owners and people that you know dog owners and dog lovers will be following um whereas they might not quite want to hear it I suppose from the farmer in the same way do you think that's important yes definitely I think I think it's a good way to um you know expand the sort of target target audience because yeah it's not it's not farmers are good at talking to farmers but um yeah there's possibly not a lot of um town people dog owners that that listen to us or or that are reachable by us so I think that's a really good idea from the police to um sort of expand the reach of it uh, and saying that I suppose if you're speaking to people obviously a lot of people are listening will be farmers who are in the same position but if you're speaking to somebody who's maybe coming up from Manchester or wherever to to go on holiday in the Lake District over the Easter period what would you say to them? Um, I think it's I think it's just about awareness so I think it's um, that especially in Cumbria there really are very very few sheep free areas um, and just because you can't see any sheep doesn't mean there aren't any any there so really your dog should be on a lead all of the time the only places that are sheep free are really the beaches um and I think that's the the problem is that the sheep are so few and far between um that that people don't realize and then also they just don't realize that their dog is likely to do anything wrong they think their dog's great at home and it'll never it, it just won't even be a problem so I think that's a big a big part of it um I guess the other thing to say is you know we're on some pretty unforgiving terrain um 
both round us and, and across the Lake District. And um, it's it's not uncommon for dogs to to just get lost and go missing entirely. Um, we're fairly suspicious round about us that a lot of the time it's because they take off after a sheep um, and the sheep gets away and then the dog finds itself in a in a sticky situation um, and either, you know, comes off a crag and, and gets injured and hurt or in our case from from a lot of our fell, you can drop down into three different valleys which are by road over an hour apart. So um yeah, I think if you want to take your take your dog home safely from your holiday, then you have to be quite responsible about how you um how you approach it. Thank you to Rachel. And there's more in this week's Farmers Guardian on Sheep Worrying with all the latest statistics from incidents across the UK. Next week, it's Good Friday, and our Over the Farmgate podcast will be giving you all the top tips you need to make a memorable Easter feast. But that's it for this week's episode of Over the Farmgate. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.